You're listening to the Scottsdale Podcast, which features our Sunday sermons. If you would like to learn more about what God is doing in the life of Scottsdale Baptist Church, visit our website at scottsdale.org. Enjoy and be challenged by the word of the Lord. So as Pastor Phil said, my name is Tucker Kelly. I'm the student pastor here. And we're in week two of the Summer on the Mount, which is a play on words to the Sermon on the Mount. And I love the fact that we're going through this because this is something that's been preached on for over 2,000 years. And these are Christ's words to his disciples, but they're still applicable for today because the word of God is alive, it's active, it's profitable for teaching and for rebuke, it's encouraging, it's, in, it's challenging. And my prayer is that you would feel equipped today, that you would leave these doors equipped, that you would leave challenged, and that you would leave encouraged as we open up God's word. The tagline to this series is the invite into a holy kingdom. And this invitation is an invitation to transformation. And that's what the gospel of Jesus is all about. It's an invitation into a holy kingdom. It's an invitation to transformation. And that means we have to live that out. Now, this is the season of invitation for me. Um, I'm getting all these kinds of graduation, celebration invites. I've got postcards all over my desk. And typically when I get an invite, and when you get an invite, the first two things that I think of, and maybe you think of these two, is what do I bring and what do I need to do? And then I look to my wife, and she's right here, and I say, Miranda, hey, um, you got this on the calendar? Are you good? Are we, do we need to bring anything? What do we need to do for this celebration, for this party? Because here's the deal. I'm excited about celebrating. I really am. That's the kind of person I am. But I'm not excited about finding out all the details and RSVPs and all that stuff. I love celebrating people, and I just want to be there to celebrate. Miranda, you handle the details, and then I'll show up. And that's kind of how I am. But it kind of gets me thinking, like, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to bring? And I've had a lot of postcards coming in and a lot of people, they're, they're smart financially. They're saving their money by not buying postage and they're bringing it to my desk. And I wanna show you a picture of my desk right now. And these are just some of the pictures. But before I show you that, look at this prank that happened to me a couple weeks ago from our seniors. Look at this, check this out. This is my office. I love, I love that, whatever, that, that's amazing. Um, and so three years ago, the, the seniors decided, hey, we're gonna start doing senior pranks at, in the youth building. And uh, the, you know, the first year they did it was incredible. The second year, it was just vandalism. If you're here, I'm sorry, that wasn't good. But this is funny, like there's a thousand balloons in my office right there. And literally I told them afterwards, I was like, why didn't you do 2023? That would have been so much better. And their response was, Bruh, 1,000 was enough. Like, I was like, okay, that's fine. But the funniest thing about this is that I was actually on vacation, so I never saw this with my own two eyes. And what's even better is that the middle schoolers, the next day on a Sunday morning, they went and played a game called How Many Balloons You Can Pop in Tucker's Office. And so they went in there. Uh, I don't know how they popped them. I wasn't there. So maybe they had scissors, hopefully not knives, but they were going at it. And I never really saw any evidence of the balloons. However, I'm still finding balloon shrapnel everywhere in my office. But here's a picture of my desk right now. And these are just some of the grads, some of the people decided to put a postcard on my desk. And I love it. And I love celebrating. But there is that moment of, man, what do I need to do? 
What is it that I need to bring? See, with the invite to the gospel, it's not about what we bring, it's not about what we do, but it's about what Christ has done for us. You see, Christ, in the ministry that he had, he lived for you, he died for you, he rose from the grave for you. And now we have life. And we have life to the abundance, as it says in John. Not only do we have life in eternity with the Father, but we also have a purpose. And I don't know if you're sitting in this room, maybe you're 55, maybe you're 75, and if you're still searching for purpose, look for it in the gospel. You will find it there. 2 Corinthians 5 was actually just read, but I wanna read it again because it explains it this way. It says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation reconciliation. So we have a purpose. If you are a believer, if you put your faith and hope in Jesus, you have a purpose. What is that purpose? Verse 18 says it clearly, the ministry of reconciliation. And what's even better is God says, I've got your back on this. He's going to empower you. Not only does he empower you, but in verse 19, it says he is entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Believers, you have a purpose. God has a plan for you and that needs to be displayed in your life. Last week, Pastor Jeff, where are you at? Pastor Jeff, he preached last week. He did an incredible job. If you haven't seen it, you need to go on YouTube. You need to go on our website, check it out. But he talked about the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes is not a prescription for becoming a Christian. I'm gonna say that again. The Beatitudes are not a prescription for becoming a Christian but it's a description of who we are as believers. It's a description of how we should act. It's a description of the transformative life and work that Jesus is doing in our lives. And so today, that's what we're gonna talk about. And what's beautiful is that Christ's invitation of transformation, it comes with instruction. And that instruction is found in his word. And so if you would take out your Bibles, your devices, or look at the screens, we're gonna be in Matthew 5, 13, through 16. But before we dive in, let me pray. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity for me to be able to come up here and and to speak. Thank you for entrusting me with this ministry. God, I pray that, that as we read your word, that we are challenged, that we are equipped. God, would we leave encouraged? Would we leave different? Would we leave sanctified? God, I pray that every time we open the word that we are encouraged, that we are challenged, that your Holy Spirit would convict us and cause us to look more like you every day. Father, it's in your name. Jesus, we love you. All God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, let's look at Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And then verse 14 tells us, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill, it cannot be hidden. 
nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to who? Glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right here, we see two instructions of how we live out our transformed life. We've gotta take this invitation seriously. And in order to do that, we need to do these things. So instruction number one, you are the salt. This is a big deal because when Jesus was preaching these things, people understood what salt was. From the poor to the richest, they knew what salt did. Here are some things that salt does. Salt preserves from rot and decay. Before refrigeration, if you put salt on meat, it would preserve the meat just a little bit longer. Salt is an antiseptic. It heals wounds. It cleans out bacteria. I can see some of y'all, you got sun on your nose, right? And maybe you've been to the beach and if you have cuts, for some reason, I get cuts on my hands all the time and I don't even know how they happen. I just look down and I'm like, I don't know where that came from. But you go into the ocean and there's this immediate sting, isn't there? because the salt is cleaning out that bacteria in your hands. And so eventually when you come out of the water, your cut looks healed. It looks a little bit better or it just looks nasty because it's just been wet too long. But it's an antiseptic, it's healing and it might sting for a little bit, but it's effective, isn't it? It's effective. Salt is also, this is my favorite, it enhances flavor. Now, I'm a steak guy, I like steak, Um, yep. Um, honestly, I don't need like this massive steak. It could be four ounces. I could have a four ounce steak as a snack, you know? (laughs) And it's good. And I really like sirloin. Like I know there's like, you know, there's a back and forth on what the best cut is, but the best cut for me is sirloin. And it doesn't have to be salted. I can eat it plain, but everybody knows when you pull that meat out a day early, You already know where I'm at. There's some master chefs in here that know what I'm talking about. I see you. And so you pull that steak out and you just salt it a little bit. And then you put all your other special seasonings on that you don't tell anybody else about, but it's probably store-bought. See what I do, and I'll tell you my secret. All you need is salt. Write this down. All you need is salt, pepper, and garlic. That's all you really need. That's all you need. And it's delicious. And you just put enough on there, you flip it over, put enough on there, pat it a little bit, put it back in the fridge. And then you bring it out 30 minutes before you're about to cook it. Don't know why, maybe somebody can explain that to me later. And then you cook it however you want. I like mine medium rare, so if you wanna invite me over, I just need a four ounce little snack, (laughs) it's totally fine. (laughs) But when you pull that out and it's like, man, it's seared on top and on the bottom and you cut into it, do you see that steak now? It's, it's nice and it's like a little bit of pink, right? No blood running, I don't need that. But you cut into it and you take a bite. Nobody's gonna push that away because it, this flavor is so tasty, it's so good. You see, just as salt, we do the same thing. Just as salt preserves from rot and decay, we should do the same. We should do the same, come alongside of God to hinder or even slow down the decay of the world. We recognize that the world is passing away. We recognize that death is in the world, but we have been placed here for a purpose and for a reason to be salt. 
We know that just as salt is an antiseptic, we have the invite to help heal hurting people. There are people in your life that you know of right now that you need to come alongside of them and encourage them, care for them. Don't just share your opinions with them, but share the word of God with them. Why? Because truth sets people free. And I say this to my small group all the time. I don't wanna hear your opinion right now. I want to hear what the scripture says because the scripture is what transforms our lives. It's what sets us free. And you know somebody that is hurting. How can you be encouraging to them? How can you be able to help them? And lastly, it enhances flavor just as we have the invite to add a good taste in people's mouths. See, we don't leave this bitter taste for people but instead, we're life-giving. We're people that others wanna be around. We're people that are like, man, I just wanna be around so-and-so because they're so life-giving. They're so caring. They're just fun to be around. There's this sweet aroma about them. Church, we have been called to be the salt. So now that we have the first instruction, we know a little bit about salt. Let's look at instruction number two. Just do me a favor. I want to make sure you're awake this morning. Say, number two. Yeah, you guys are, it's the 11 o'clock that I have to worry about sometimes. <laughs> Online, are you good? All right, cool. All right, instruction number two. You are the light. You are the light. The first thing we do when we go into a room is what? Turn on the light. This is good interaction. I love this. We turn on the light. See, I have a two-year-old and I have a five-year-old. And when I go into their room and it's dark, my immediate reaction is I'm gonna turn on the light so that I don't step on a Lego. Who stepped on a Lego before? So that I don't step on, yeah, I got a kid saying, yeah, it hurts. So I don't step on a Hot Wheels car, right? Or a toy car, or I don't trip and fall because it's happened to me before. So the first thing I do when I go into a dark room is I turn on the light and what does the darkness do? It flees, it hides. There's no more darkness. See, we get the same opportunity we have the same purpose. We go into places and we light it up. And what I love about light is it's all throughout the scripture. It's all throughout the pages of scripture. We see in the very beginning in Genesis chapter one, verse three, we see the first words recorded from God are let there be light. That's right. Let there be light. Then light surrounds things when God shows up in the Old Testament. Light is known as a path in the book of Psalms. Jesus is the light of the world in John. Light blinds Paul and brings him into a saving faith through Jesus in the book of Acts. Let's keep going. Paul over and over again tells the early church to shine like stars and be children of the light. In Revelation, light wins in the end, amen? And God's light shines over the new heaven and the earth and there is no need for a sun, no need because he is light. That is awesome. Why? Because light is a part of who God is. Light is a part of who God is. And Jesus tells us we get to imitate that light. Are we doing that? What does that mean for us? That means wherever we go, darkness hides. No matter where we're at, if we have been transformed by God, and the gospel compels us. We are the salt. Be the salt. We are the light. Be the light. Go into those places. You see, when you take a flashlight into a dark room, that beam of light, is there speckles of darkness in it? No. 
There might be some dust, but there's no darkness, right? It's just a beam of light. This world is dark. This world is decaying. We have a mission. We have a ministry to fulfill. And Jesus is very clear in these passages. And I wanna tell you, church, don't be ineffective with your invite. Do not be ineffective with your invite. We are called to go and do and be. Let's read this, this scripture one more time. Verse 13, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Nobody wants to be walked all over. Nobody wants to be in this place. So live out your purpose, be the salt. Verse 14, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. It makes no sense to turn on a lamp and then throw a blanket on it. Why would you do that? That's just unwise financially. Like, why would you let your electric bill go up? But also it could start a fire, but I'm not sure with all these new LED lights, it's not hot, so. But why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. And also, scientifically, salt actually can't lose its saltiness. However, it can blend in with other things and it can become impure. It can become contaminated. Church, I think sometimes we blend in too much. Sometimes our light is a little dim. First Thessalonians 4, 7 says this, for God has not called us for impurity, but for holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is simply being set apart. It's being set apart. Do you look different from the world? The world doesn't preserve anything. It's decaying. Do you look the same as that? The world is dim. The world is actually not even dim. The world is dark. Are you being the light? And I've seen over and over again, believers fall for this trap of dimming their light, of blending in their saltiness, blending in with the culture, with the world. And I wanna give you four ways that we need to look out for, four ways that we dim our light. Because if we know what we do wrong, we can fight against it, right? And so the first thing that we see, number one, is sin. Sin. Sin is the first thing that happens to us and it starts pulling us away from God. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Every single person in this room has fallen short of the glory of God. But that's why this invitation into the gospel is so amazing. Because the work of Jesus does transform us from that. By his grace, we are saved. And it's not by our own doing, it's not by our works, it's not by the things that we have done, but it's only by the power of Jesus who resurrected himself from the grave. Now, some of us in this room, we might have this sin that just for some reason keeps coming back up over and over and over again. And maybe you're just tired. Maybe you're like, I, I, I've tried to put it down. I've tried to put it away. I've tried with my own strength to do all these things. But the real reason why you haven't been able to overcome it is because it's all about you. 
I have tried. I have done this with my strength. What if you take it actually to the Lord? Romans 8 says this, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If there is a sin that is keeping you down, if there is a sin that is keeping you dim, run to Jesus. Bible says we are called to repent. That means a physical turn. Turn from what you were doing. Turn to God and say, I'm sorry, Lord. Ask for forgiveness. Turn to the Lord. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. By his love, we can go and seek forgiveness. And with his grace, he is faithful to forgive. Here's a freebie, Romans 8.1 says, we are, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, amen. So you are overcomers. Why? Not because of your strength, but because of what God has done for us. Another way we blend in and dim our lights is conformity. Conformity. There are forces, there's forces of social life, there's forces of economics, there's forces of political things that are going on that causes us to make movements in our life and decide things and make decisions. And oftentimes we can get so caught up in what everybody else is doing that we miss out on the purpose that God has for us. And we begin to not even look like our own selves. We look in the mirror and we're like, man, I've looked more like the world than I ever have. I don't even recognize who I am anymore. And it's so easy to get lost in that trap. It's so easy to get caught up in those things. You know, for me, I had to take Instagram, it's a social media platform, off my phone. Because I constantly saw things that I could never measure up to. I was constantly comparing myself with other people. I mean, you see a picture perfect lifestyle, don't you? You see the perfect vacations, you see the perfect family. And the kids are always being respectful on social media. That's crazy. Like they're smiling. Like we took pictures at a wedding the other day and my son was screaming and running away. And we actually didn't get a photo of it because we didn't have a chance to. I live a real life. I'm a real person. But I see these things and then the ads, the ads are like telling me to buy these clothes that I really can't afford. And for some of you, you look at these ads and you're like, well, I've got a credit card. I can just swipe that and pay it off later. But then you forget to pay the bill. And next thing you know, you're stressed out because you have credit card bills due because you've been trying to look like somebody else. But maybe God has never called you to look like that. Maybe God has never called you to do those things. Maybe God has a perfect plan for you and a purpose and a lifestyle. You see, Romans 12, two is one of my favorite verses. When I was a teenager, I, I came upon this verse and I was like, wow, this is a verse that I'm gonna keep with me forever. And I still am talking about it all the time. And almost every sermon I ever teach, it's in there. It just fits in every time. But Romans 12, two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, sometimes I think we love the world more than we love God. And that's hard to say. That's a hard statement to say, and I bet it's hard to hear. But oftentimes, we ascribe more worth to the creation rather than to the creator. And ascribing worth is simply worship. What are we worshiping? What are we waking up thinking about in the morning? What are we laying our heads down thinking about at night? 
How are we living our life? Are we living it for the world? Or are we living it for Jesus who has an abundant life for you? First John says this in chapter two, verse 15. This one's kind of the stinger. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let me read that again. Do not love the world or the things of the world. This is the kicker. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I read that and my heart begins to sink because I know what kind of repenting I need to do. But praise God that I can go to him and I can ask for forgiveness and you can do the very same. Maybe there are some things that you are loving over God and you need to go to the Lord and you need to ask for forgiveness. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Did you get that? The world is passing away. Be the salt. Come alongside God and stop the decay. Church, we have that purpose. We can do that. Because God entrusted you. He empowered you. The third one, the third way that we lose our, or blend in, lose our saltiness, blend in and dim our light is laziness. This one's running rampant. This one's a killer. This is something that I think is happening a lot to the believer. We have easy ways to be lazy. I literally, you know, there's a company called Lazy Boy. <laughs> I mean, you can buy into laziness. But seriously though, like, you know, we call ourselves believers and we walk around and maybe I should just say we sit around all day doing nothing to enhance our faith, doing nothing to encourage our spouse, doing nothing to encourage our children to walk in the ways of the Lord, doing nothing to instill the scripture in their hearts and in their minds, doing nothing to tell our friends about Christ who really has made us new, doing nothing with the ministry that God has given us. We just sit around. And a while ago, I caught myself, and this is pretty bad. I came home and the kids were playing. And remember, I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old, a two-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter. And I came home and Miranda was uh, preparing dinner or something and the kids were playing. And so I go and I sit down. I don't have like a special chair. It's definitely not a lazy boy, but I sit down and I take out my phone and I scroll. Most people have done it. Most people know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna veg out a little bit. You know, I, I'm not doing anything. Nobody's needing me right now. So I'm just gonna relax. I've had a long day. So I sit down and I scroll. Well, eventually I get locked in somehow. And next thing you know, I'm watching videos on like engineering and I'm not an engineer. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. I'm gonna go fix my house. And I'm so locked in and I'm so in tune. And all of a sudden I recognize something keeps sitting on my lap. Something keeps trying to get on my lap. And you know, I'm, I'm so in tune with what's here. I just kind of do this, kind of push it away. There was something in between me and my two-year-old son. It was my phone. 
But really it was my laziness, wasn't it? It's time to put the phone down. It's time to stop thinking only about yourself. It's time to start serving others. See, my children, they need a a dad who will play with them. My children need a dad who will listen to them. My children need a dad who will instill the word of God in them. If I'm on my phone all the time, I'm not gonna do that. And I don't even know what that's going to do to our future children. Us always being on our phones when they're trying to play, they're trying to live as normal kids. And if us as parents are on our phone all the time because of laziness, what is that gonna do to this next generation? We see what teenagers are doing. They're on their phone all the time, but we're doing the same thing, aren't we? Don't be lazy. Romans 12 puts it this way in verse 11. It says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve, not yourself, but the Lord. Wow, you guys are good. This is, I like this crowd. (laughs) The last way that I've seen us blend in and hide our lights is, is being fearful, being afraid. I would, I would absolutely hate for you to say, man, I wish I could just be more fearful, but I'm afraid. I wish that I could just have these conversations with people, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid to talk about God in public because I'm afraid to offend other people. I'm afraid to talk about God in my workplace because my boss doesn't like God. I might get fired. That's a, that's a, big, that's a big deal. I'm afraid that, you know, if, if, if I talk to my friend about God, they'll disown me. They won't be my friend anymore. Or maybe I'm afraid to talk about God because I don't have all the answers. You know, we live in an age today that we have more resources than ever before. We can turn to the word of God. And if we don't know the answer right away, don't be prideful. Just say, hey, I don't know it. I don't know that answer, but that's a really good question. Let me get back to you. And listen, you don't have to buy an 800-page theology book tomorrow on Amazon. You can literally go to Blue Letter Bible. This is a freebie. You can go to Blue Letter Bible. You can find out the Hebrew words and what they mean. You can find out the Greek words and what they mean. You can have the Bible for free. There's free commentaries on there. um, And most of them are good. Just be careful what you look at. But you have resources at your fingertips And if you don't have a phone and you don't have an ability to do that, you have a library, you can go get a library card, you can go to the computer, you can look up Blue Letter Bible, and if you don't wanna do that, you can come to this church and we'll teach you and we'll train you and we'll equip you because that's what we're called to do as shepherds, as pastors. And so don't let fear be an excuse. Romans 1, 16, Paul simply says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy verse, or chapter 1, verse 7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Live out your faith, not your fear. Let's talk about faith for a second. Let's look at the biblical definition of faith because I could tell you what it is, but let's turn to the word of God. Hebrews 11 verse one says it this way. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. 
You see, before Jesus comes, we see that there are faithful people that believed in a future Messiah and they were able to do incredible things for the Lord. Why? Because they lived in excitement for the future Messiah. They lived faithful and they believed that God is a promise keeper. Let's look through some of those things now. By faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. By faith, Noah built an ark. He might've looked crazy, but he did it. By faith, Abraham left his home to follow God. By faith, Sarah had a child at an old age. Let's keep going. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. By faith, the Israelites made it through the Red Sea. And by faith, the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days until it fell. But what if you could say, by faith, I led people to Christ. By faith, you helped restore a marriage. By faith, you raised your children in the way of the Lord. By faith, you helped build the kingdom of God. Church, we have an opportunity to be kingdom builders We have to live out our faith. We have to be the salt and light. Take this invite seriously. Why? Because you are the salt. You are the light. Jesus says it. It's not just something that we eventually get to, but when we become believers, we are these things and we get to do the ministry that Jesus started a long time ago. For the kingdom of heaven is near, so repent. Make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Be the salt, enhance people's lives. Be the light, light up their world. Show them the gospel. Now, if you're here to this morning and you're like, Tucker, I, I don't know my purpose. I, I, I don't know about this God thing. I don't, I'm here today. You're here by God's design. But I wanna let you know that the gospel does do everything for us. It transforms our lives and it does give us purpose. And maybe you're like, Tucker, I've, I've just, I keep falling short. I know I do. I feel broken. Let me just tell you, Romans tells us if, that, if we confess and we believe in our heart that Jesus was raised on the third day, then we will be saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Today is the day of salvation is what God's word says. So if you're here this morning and you're without a relationship with God, you will be without a purpose. You will be without a ministry. You will be without fulfillment. You will be without abundance. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says that he has come to give you life and life of abundance. And I believe that he will do abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. I believe that if you are in his ministry, doing his will, you will see the miracles of God. You will see amazing things happen right before your eyes and it will enhance and grow your faith. So believers, it's time to be the salt in life, light. And for those who are not believers yet, let me pray for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you for the believers in here that are searching your scriptures, that are drawing near to you. Father, I do pray for the one that is in here right now. They're just struggling. Their family seems like it's a wreck. Their friends are (laughs) leaving them. 
their life is miserable, they're struggling in their job. And Lord, we, all, we understand that you still have a good plan for them. Because as believers, we are more than conquerors. But Lord, if there is a person in here that does not have a relationship with you, I pray, Lord, that the gospel would set them free. I pray, Lord, that the gospel would deliver them. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would rest in their hearts and do a transformative work just as you have done through me. God, it's not by the works that I can boast, but it's by your grace that I'm even here this morning being able to speak your word. And I praise you and give glory to you for that. Lord, would you empower us this week to live out the ministry that you've called us to be salt and light. It's in your name, Jesus, we love you. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope that God uses this message in you to transform you more into the image of Christ. If you have any questions about our church or you want to learn more about Jesus, visit our website at scottshill.org slash next steps. Till next time.